I feel like something should fall, right? Like at least balloons or something, but budget cuts, guys. We got budget cuts. What up, Excel? How y'all feeling? That was weak. That was weak. We're going to try this again. But let me see which, I think the right side. That sounded better. Let's see. Right side, how we feeling? Uh, yeah, not there. Left side, how we feeling? I got to tell you, front row, I expected more out of those ladies. I did expect more. Try that. Right side, how you feeling? Okay. Left side, you can handle that? All right, we're good. Everybody's in. Hey, real quick, um, I want to talk to you all about something interesting. Who here is wearing uh, open-toe sandals right now? Anybody wearing, anybody showing their toes off already? It's warm enough. Anybody showing their toe, toes? Any other toes? Anybody showing their toes off? It's starting to be toe season. Anybody showing their toes off? Now, let me ask you this. How many of you in this room, low-key, you are afraid of feet? Like, you just don't like feet. Anybody here afraid of feet? Right? Like, you, you got open toes and you scared of feet? How many of you are like, seriously, like, if they put a foot by your face, you'd leave? Just run? Okay. I don't know. It happens. Listen, I think, I think sometimes I've seen some things in youth ministry. Some people are scared of the weirdest things, like deathly afraid, like genuine Fears. Matter of fact, my little sister, when we were kids, I remember going to church on Sunday. There was a car wash by our church, and they had this guy in a gorilla costume that would try to get people to come and get a car wash. And my dad would, like, give us a dollar to, like, go and high-five him and hug. My little sister was deathly afraid of that gorilla guy. And my dad thought it was hilarious, so he kept trying to mess with her about it. And she started to develop a complex to the point where to this day, that girl is, like, 31 years old. She cannot see gorillas. Like, she can't see it on TV. She can't see it at the zoo. She skips the gorilla exhibit. She is deathly afraid of gorillas. And here's the thing. Fear is a very dangerous thing. Fear has a way of crippling you. Fear has a way of preventing you from experiencing things. Fear has a way of getting a hold of you. And there's a question that Jesus asked about fear. And I want you to take note, and you've heard me say this maybe a number of times, but if you ever read your Bible and you ever see God ask a question, you ever see Jesus asking a question, you need to circle that. Because Jesus never asked a question because he needed to know an answer. If you believe like I do that God knows all things, that God knows the beginning from the end, he knows everything, he knows the thoughts of your thoughts as the Bible says, if God knows everything, then there is never a need for God personally to ask a question. He never personally has to ask a question. So if you ever see him asking a question, you should automatically assume that this is a rhetorical question. Does anybody here know what rhetorical means? Yes. What does rhetorical mean? A question that's not supposed to be answered. Absolutely. In other words, it becomes more of a statement. 
Sometimes, I remember years ago, there was this one kid, I was preaching, and he didn't understand that a lot of times when pastors are, are speaking, that when we ask questions, they're rhetorical questions. Like, we want you to think about it. We want you to, you know, answer it in your own head, but I'm not having a conversation with you. And I remember this kid was sitting in the front row, and I would ask the rhetorical questions. Like, you know, you know how difficult it is sometimes when you're going through hard times? And he'd be like, yeah, it's really hard. I'm like, shh. <laughs> sort of rhetorical question, bro. This is... Not for you to answer, right? And so when Jesus would ask a question, for you and I as the reader, we have to understand that that question is rhetorical. There's a statement that he's trying to make. And here's the question I want us to focus on. And in a moment, we'll go through the portion of scripture where we find it. But the question that Jesus asks is very simple. And here it is. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Fear can be a powerful enemy. Fear has the power to stop you. Whenever something scary occurs, oftentimes your first reaction is to freeze. I remember back in the day, I was at a, a haunted house. I don't recommend haunted houses. I'm a Christian now. But I was at a haunted house with a bunch of girls. And I was a scaredy cat. I didn't like those things anyways. But I'm, I've always been bigger than most of the people in my class. And so I remember, like, all the girls wanted to, like, hug me and, and like, bury their face, you know, in my body whenever the monsters would come. And it was funny because there's one girl, she kept, like, hugging me because she was scared of the monsters. And she thought I was going to protect her. But low-key, come here, Jonathan. Every time, every time a monster would come, I would just do this. And I'm like, take her. Take her. You can sit down. That was awkward. Um, I was, I'm like, God, save me. Kill her, right? Fear has the power to do that. Fear has the power to confuse you. It's hard to think straight when you're scared. That's why when you get scared, you say nonsensical things, right? You get scared. <laughs> just words, just weird things flooding. <laughs> right? You don't have a com you don't say a good sentence, maybe a bad word, but you shouldn't do that. But it's like <laughs> right? Why? Because you just you're not thinking straight, right? You're not concentrating. Fear has the power to traumatize you. That's why my sister can't go to the zoo. Fear has the power to make you irrational. That's why, think about this, and I know y'all been there. That's why at night, we all run up the basement steps. Everybody in the world runs up the basement steps, right? Because you know, even though it's not rational, even though you know, it's just this feeling that something is going to grab your ankle, that something's going to try to trip you as you're going up. When, when my wife and I got married and she moved into where I was living, uh, the laundry's in the basement. And so she, I'm like, babe, you got to go downstairs. You got to do the laundry. She's like, no, it's scary down there. I don't want to go. I was like, babe, we're adults now. We got to do this. And so she goes through the back. She didn't know that through the front there was also an entrance to the basement. So she would go through the back. And when she went out the back, I would run through the front. And I would hide in the basement. And I'd just start making noises. I'd just be like, cuckoo. <laughs> and she, she would go back up, and then I would run upstairs, and she'd come, babe, I heard stuff. I'm like, I don't know, babe. There was like an old lady that used to live in that basement. I just, right? Like, why? It's irrational. It's just like, I need to get out of here. Fear has the power to rob your faith. Fear has the power to rob your faith, where you know what you believe, but in that moment of fear, you stop believing. See, where there is fear, there is no faith. And where there is faith, there is no fear. Where there is fear, there is no faith. But where there is faith, there is no fear. 
Faith and fear go hand in hand. And I want you to notice that in this passage. If you have your Bibles, why don't you open up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to look at a quick story in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. And I want you to see what lays out in this story. Beginning in verse 23, it says this. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up out of the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now again, let me pause there for a second. It's important that you understand that even though Jesus was 100% or is 100% God, he is also 100% human. This is part of his humanity. Jesus got tired. Jesus had to sleep. And there was a moment right before this, Jesus was ministering, he was preaching, and he was doing his thing. And when he got in the boat, he's like, yo, I'm tired, I'm going to take a nap. So listen, if you ever feel like it's bad to take a nap, just remember that we're supposed to do what Jesus did. And what would Jesus do? Jesus would take a nap. And so it's okay if you need to, to take a nap. It says, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed at what kind, and said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. Now, real quick, this isn't going to be on the screen, but let me read to you how it says in Mark chapter 4. It says that the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown and when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, silence, be still. Why are you so afraid? Why do you have no faith? I find it interesting that Jesus rebukes the storm. You rebuke and correct something that shouldn't be. That might imply that the storm wasn't just natural, but there was a supernatural element to this storm. The storm was both a natural portion but also a spiritual thing that was going down. The enemy was trying to literally kill off the purpose of God. Storms will often occur in your life. I mean, y'all are from Chicago. I don't need to tell you this. That it can be 75, 80 degrees today and 40 degrees tomorrow. That it can be super sunny and hot right now and a crazy thunderstorm before you get out of this service. Okay? Because weather is crazy. Storms sometimes are just going to suddenly happen. Things come out of nowhere. Death, divorce, breakups, sickness. All of a sudden everything's going great in the family and then just like that a storm hits. Everything's going smooth. Your life is going great and all of a sudden a storm hits. Storms seem to knock the wind right out of you. And you have all different kind of storms. You have furious storms. These are those unrelenting storms, those times in life when it's wave after wave. It's one thing after another. It feels like you don't even have time to catch your breath. It just continues to happen and happen and happen. Furious storms don't seem to ever let up. There's a, there's a death in my family, and then I, I, I get in trouble at school, and then my parents are fighting in the house, and then my sibling and I get into it, and then it just feels like every day there's something happening. I got drama at Excel, and, 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 and I had issues with the girl I liked, and I have issues with this dude I was into, and one thing after another, because furious storms seem to be unrelenting. Sometimes you have sweeping storms. These are the storms that affect all of you. That cause emotional and physical anguish. 
sweeping storms seem to knock you right off your feet. And then sometimes we get perfect storms when all of it just happens at once. When it seems like there's just no relenting where I can't even catch my breath. And you'd rather just lay there and give up. Sometimes the storm sits, hits so hard that you just give in to the storm. And you just say, oh well, this is how it's going to be forever. But you have to understand that there is peace that God offers even in the midst of storms. See, peace isn't a storm not happening. Peace is being able to sleep in the boat while the storm is happening. God offers the kind of peace that while all hell is breaking loose, you are still in the presence of heaven. God offers the kind of peace that may not change the circumstance, but will change your heart. That may not change the situation around you, but will empower you to be able to endure the situation. The Bible refers to it as a peace that goes beyond all understanding. The kind of peace where people say, I don't get how you're so chill when all this is going on. And you can point back and say, Jesus gives me the peace that I don't even get. I don't even understand why I'm not falling apart right now. I remember there was a moment when I was a youth leader and the pastor was preaching and he was talking about this kind of peace, and he used me as an illustration because the week before, I had just finished a college assignment. I had just finished, you know, one of those all-nighters, and, and I got everything put together, and I, and I finished it last second. I get ready to walk to my car in the morning to go to class, and as I get walking to my car, I smell something funny. And I look ahead, and there's my car completely melted, just burned in the middle of the night. Later, I found out they thought it was somebody else's car, and they set it on fire. And I remember just chilling there. I remember looking at the car going, ah, that sucks. <laughs> and I remember just going to my house, emailing my professor. I'm not lying. My car really did burn down. Da, da, da. Can I turn in my assignment later? And my little sister's crying. And, you know, low-key people were kind of laughing. Like, dude, how does that happen? And I remember having such a peace. And I remember thinking, well, God, you gave me that car. So now you just got to give me another one. Because that's the car I pick up kids with. That's the car I minister with. So, God, if you were going to take it away, it's your job to give me another one. That's not my car. That was your car. So it's on you, God. So I wasn't tripping. And you know what? Even more special, my mom just found this the other day. The kids in the youth ministry, they put a collection together. And it was like maybe 70 bucks or something. Like everybody put in their $2 or whatever to help me buy a new car. And the reason we just found that envelope is because I said I'm never going to use that money. Because what they did means more than what they gave. And it's just a reminder to me that I can have peace even when my life is literally melting. I can have peace because it's the God who gives me peace. So here's the question that I want us to examine. And here's why Jesus is telling them they're lacking faith in the midst of the storm. Why he asks, why are you so afraid? So if you're taking notes, number one, he says, why are you so afraid? I'm the one that led you here. Why are you afraid? I led you here. If you look in Mark, I like the way the book of Mark says it. Mark chapter 4 says, verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So whose idea was it to get in the boat? Hmm? Yeah, you can say it, guys. It's not, you're not, you guys, I, am I supposed to say his name out loud? You can say it. You're not going to like, right? You stand there in front of your mirror, Jesus, 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 and he appears. That'd be dope though. Okay? So whose idea was it to cross the other side? It wasn't their idea. They were being obedient to God. Can I tell you something? There's going to be times in your life where it's your obedience to God that lands you in a storm. 
There's going to be times that it's your obedience to Christ, to what God has told you to do, that's going to lead you into storms. Sometimes we think that we're in a storm because we did something wrong. Sometimes we think we're in a storm because we deserve to be punished. But sometimes you're in a storm because it was God who led you in that storm. It was Jesus who led them into the boats and directed them. You should never be afraid when you're following Jesus' lead. If he asks you to do something, know that God is guiding those steps. Listen, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. If he's the one that's leading you to it, then you have to trust that he will also lead you through it. Okay? Jesus didn't say, hey, let's go into the lake. He said, let's go to the other side of the lake. In other words, the promise was that we're going to get to the other side. Now, the storm happened in the middle. But if they had faith in what God promised, they would understand, guys, there's no way we can drown. We're with Jesus. And he said, we're going to get to the other side. But the fear of the storm caused them to lose their faith in Christ. When you are following his lead, don't be afraid to go where God has called you. Don't fear what people think. Don't fear where the resources will come from. Don't fear what setbacks may come. If God is with you on this trip and he is with you on the boat, then you don't need to worry. Fear comes from the absence of the presence of God. But when you are there in the midst of where God is, you don't need to be afraid. I freak out when I know I'm outside of God's will. Not because of the situation, but because his presence isn't with me. But when I'm in God's will, there's a confidence, there's a reassurance that no matter what's happening, I'm with you. Number two, if you're taking notes, he asks him, why are you so afraid? Not only did I lead you here, but I am in the boat with you. I'm right here with you. I'm sure when they saw Jesus sleeping, they freaked out even more. But you need to remember this, and you might want to write this down. God's silence does not mean God's absence. God's silence does not mean God's absence. Hey, listen, we've, this is an old saying, though, but you guys have probably heard this a million times. But how many know teacher doesn't talk during the test? Teachers don't talk during the test. When you are in that moment of testing, you got to understand that the teacher's already prepared you for that. You are already for that moment of testing. Too often we're afraid because we feel like God's not there. We feel like God's abandoned us. We feel like God has left us. Don't judge God on your feelings. Judge him on your words. Don't sit there and go, man, I feel like God's not with me. I don't feel the presence of God anymore. No, no, no. What does his word say? Don't go based on your feelings. Because your feelings make you run up basement steps when there's nothing down there. Okay? Your feelings make you freak out at the sound of every noise. Isaiah 41.10 tells us, don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. That's the reason you're not afraid. Don't be afraid because I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I'm the one that sustains you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to freak out. No matter what you're going through, God is there holding your hand through it. Oftentimes because of my size, People, when they tend to freak out, they tend to hide behind me. And I remember one time even we were, uh, we were at this water park where they had, you remember those big waves that come in? You know, that they man-made waves where they, like a wave pool type thing. And I was there with a couple friends from high school. And this one girl, she was itty-bitty. And her boyfriend was standing next to me. 
but her boyfriend wasn't that much more of an itty-bitty himself. And so she was clinging on my back with two other ladies because they figured you're bigger and taller. We're going to survive on your back, not on his back. And I'm like, your boyfriend's right there. And the reason I say it because they were literally drowning me because all three of them, like the wave would come and they'd push me down and pick themselves up. And I'm like, get off me. He's right there. And even times we would walk and they'd, they'd be a little afraid and they would stand behind me. Why? Because you always want to stand behind the bigger guy. Even if it's like, well, if they get to shooting, you got a bigger surface to cover me. Like, I'm just going to be right behind you. <laughs> right? There's something comforting in knowing that someone bigger than you is watching over you. My little nephew, he hides behind my sister's butt so much, I feel like he's trying to go back in there. Like, whenever he freaks out, he goes right behind her legs and, like, just shoves his head. And I'm like, dude, you can't go back. Like, I know you're scared, but she's not a kangaroo. You got to just chill. But that's what we do, right? We, we want to be behind something bigger. We want to stand behind something that's going to protect us. We want to make sure that God is bigger than anything that can threaten you. And if you learn to hide in the presence of God, then you will never fear what's on the other side of that presence. And number three, why are you so afraid? I am always in control. Why are you freaking out? I got this. I got this. Why was he questioning their faith? Because they were acting like Jesus wasn't in control of the situation. Listen, sometimes we act like Jesus is asleep at the wheel. We act like Jesus isn't paying attention. We freak out as if Jesus doesn't notice what's happening. There is never a moment in time now, before, or ever will be where God doesn't notice. God sees. God understands what's happening. Jesus didn't rebuke the disciples because they woke him up. God is always ready and willing to hear our prayers. As a matter of fact, when you look at this story, he slept through the storm. He swept through the water coming into the boat. But it was the sound of his children, his disciples, that caused him to wake up. Jesus is always ready to come when you call. He's always ready to respond when you call. He hears our prayers. But listen to me. He rebuked them because they thought that things were out of control. Nothing is ever out of God's control. Even bad things. Even things that we think there's no way God can be behind us. God is always in control. And some of us may have an issue with that. Well, if God is in control, then why would he let this happen? Because sometimes you only look at what's in front of you. You don't see the full scope of your life. You don't see how everything lays out. And if we think about it, I mean, think about some of our favorite movies, right? And think about most of you saw Endgame by now, right? There are certain deaths in those movies that make that movie impactful, that build on the storyline of that movie. I won't kill it because in case people haven't seen it, but... But you know what I mean? Think about if that movie, if nobody, if nothing ever happened to anybody. Like, oh, that was cool. But there's no stakes. There's no emotional tie. There's no connection. There's no story. There's no power behind it. Well, why would God take someone I love? Same reason God would allow someone he loved to die on the cross. Because the long-term purpose is greater than the short-term suffering. And God has a plan. And FYI, I know death is a fun funny subject for people, but you got to understand God's perspective of death is not our perspective of death. Because for God, it's a doorway. It's not an ending. For God, it's, it's the step for them to get closer. You got to understand God loves death in the sense that 
not death itself because he conquered death, but in the sense of they're coming home to me. And at the end of the day, we all die. But not all of us live. And that's where we have to understand that God is in control of this whole story. God is in control of this entire narrative. Listen, Mark chapter 5, verse 35 through 36 says, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus. Remember, we talked about this the other day. The leader of the synagogue, they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Remember, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this, right? How Jesus looked at him and said, listen, don't pay attention to what they said. Pay attention to what I say. They are not in control of the situation. I am. They don't have the final say. I do. You may be afraid because you think things have gotten too out of control. But with Jesus, there is never too far gone. There is never too far gone. You may feel like your life is a hopeless mess. First of all, you're 13. I get it. But guys, you're, you're like, you're all under 18 years old. You haven't even lived the good portion of your life yet. You haven't even really experienced life yet. Think about this. Mo, like, Jonathan, there's a small percentage of 18. I'm looking at him because he's my math guy. And I don't want to come up with the math percentage. But think about what percentage of your life so far you've lived in diapers. Like you haven't lived yet, right? At least three to four years. Some of you probably eight have lived in diapers. Like you haven't lived yet. You haven't experienced things yet. You haven't really gone through everything that God wants you to go through. And so your life's not over at 15. It might be rough. It might be complicated. There might be things that you didn't think you would have to go through at that age. But by no means is it over. For some of you, this last year, the moment you said yes to Jesus, your life actually just began. You actually have just started this new life. And you may feel at times like it's hopeless, but if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll understand how wrong you really are. Jesus' promise to those disciples was that we would get to the other side. Trust me, God's not getting out of the boat until he gets you to the other side where he promised. God's not going to abandon you in the midst of the storms. And God doesn't even freak out at those storms. Remember, God got out of the boat and said, shh. Worship team, if you can help me out. Maybe you're here tonight and you're in the midst of a storm. You know the crazy thing about storms is you don't really realize when people are going through them in your life. It could be your best friend and you still may not be fully aware of what storm is going on in their heart. It could be someone you, you feel like you know through and through. It could be your own sibling, your parents, and you don't understand the raging storm that's going on in their spirit and in their heart. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel lost. Maybe you're feeling like God has left you. You're alone in the situation. Things are out of control. But I want to point out something that I found fascinating in this story. Is that Jesus calms the people before he calmed the storm. Jesus calmed his people before he calmed the storm. Before we ask God to calm the situations in our lives. Because if we're honest, that's the prayer. God, stop my parents from fighting. 
God, uh, stop this situation from happening. God, heal this situation. God, come in on this situation. God, stop the beef that's going on with my friends. God, help me restore this. It's always about stopping the storm. But before we ask God to calm the situations in our lives, we need to ask him to calm the situation in our spirit. God, calm me. God, don't let me be full of anxiety. Don't let me be full of fear. A number of years ago, I was going through a lot of uh, stress. Believe it or not, this job comes with a certain level of stress. And I was dealing with a number of situations. Mentally, I was okay. Spiritually, I was okay. But emotionally, I wasn't doing well. And like any typical guy, I wasn't acknowledging that part of my life. And then many months after, when the situations were all resolved and things were all fine and the subsequent storm, if I can say that, had calmed, I found myself in an ambulance going to the hospital because of what I thought was an asthma attack. I get to the hospital. They put all these wires on me. They do all these tests. And they look at me and they go, Mr. Silva, your oxygen levels are fine. You're not breathing. And I'm like, uh-huh, duh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> He's like, no, no, sir, you're, you can breathe. You're just not breathing. You need to breathe. And I got mad. I'm like, stupid, I'm trying to breathe. I want to live. <laughs> and what I didn't find out really in that moment until maybe two more attacks like that is that I was having anxiety attacks. And listen, I, I love Jesus. I was doing well spiritually. I was doing well emotionally. Or at least I thought this was a spiritual battle and it was a couple other things. I went to the doctor to get checked. He's like, yeah, your asthma's not doing well. I think at the time I was breathing with 50% lung capacity, so like one lung. But what was happening was the anxiety was inducing my asthma and my asthma was inducing more anxiety. And then all the other underlying factors were freaking me out. And I don't know if you've ever had an asthma attack. But let me tell you on behalf of all asthmatics, there are very few things scarier than not being able to breathe. And when you have this moment, I remember I'm sitting in the hospital and I feel like I'm going to die right now. And I remember at the time Cicely, was, we were just dating and Cicely sitting next to me. I remember looking at her going, I haven't even told you I love you. Hey, I love you. In case I die, I want you to know that. And she's like, I love you too. I was like, oh, I knew that. I just didn't know that you knew I was afraid, and guess what? My fear was causing more anxiety, which was causing more of my breathing problems. So what helped? I took it to Jesus. And Jesus led me to have some good conversations with some godly people, to learn to open my mouth and process what was going on. Jesus helped to calm the storm within me. The situation around me never changed. The situations around me were what they always were. But the storm within me began to calm down. And by the grace of God, I haven't had an anxiety attack since. I haven't had any issues. I, I mean, I was fine. It's, it's almost like it never happened. But in that season, my faith began to waver a little bit. And in the moment, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to stand for a moment. I want to read you a verse. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this verse. And then the worship team is going to begin to sing. And here's how we're going to close it tonight. We have a good amount of time and we did this on purpose. Because here's the truth. I, Pastor Joey, cannot calm your storm. Okay? I want to make sure we're clear on that. Your leaders here cannot calm your storm. 
your family, your friends, therapists, all those people, those are all great things, but they can't calm a spiritual storm that's going on in your heart. There is only one who is in the boat who can stand up to the wind and the wave and rebuke them and say silence and bring peace into our lives. And so after I read this, the worship team is going to sing. And as they sing, if you're going through a storm today, and I don't need to know what it is, you and God. If you're going through a storm and you need God's help to bring peace, then in a moment I want to invite you to this altar again. Nothing special about this place. It's just taking that step of faith to say, God, I want to get away from my circumstance. I want to stand before you and I want to trust you in the midst of this storm. Listen to what the Bible says, Psalm 27, verse 1 through 6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's protections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in the sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing, and praising the Lord with music. What is the psalmist saying here? The secret to peace in the midst of a storm is going into God's sanctuary, his safe place, his presence. So as the worship team begins to sing, if that's you, if you're looking for peace tonight, come on, I want to invite you right now, right where you're at. Would you come up to this altar and just find a place and let's begin to talk to God. Let's begin to trust God. Let's begin to call this out and say, God, you're going to bring peace tonight. Come on, begin to talk to him, young people. Begin to call out to the name of the Lord. Come on, the disciples had to wake him up. Come on, begin to wake the Lord. Begin to call on his name. Come on. Come on, leaders, start making your way out. Help me to begin to lay hands on these students. Help me begin to intercede with them. Students, if you find that you're in a good place with God and you're in a right relationship, we want to invite you to come and pray for your friends, guys with guys, girls with girls. Come on, we're going to do this together. We're all in the same boat tonight. We're all going to press in together. We're all going to become united. We're going to trust God through this situation. You know, I noticed tonight as I was speaking that I kept bringing up death. I wonder if there's anyone here specifically, you need help, you need prayer tonight because you're struggling with the death of a loved one. If you're here, would you just raise your hand? And I'm going to ask leaders, if you can help me, if, if there's somebody here who's dealing with, with death and, and the pain of death, would you just come around them and pray for them? Just wait until somebody who has their hand lifted up comes by. There's somebody over there. If you're struggling with the death of a loved one, can you just lift up your hand until somebody comes by? We're going to pray for you right now. Leaders, just begin to pray for them right when you get to them. Isaiah 57, verse 1 through 2 says, Good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. 
For those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die. Heavenly Father, we pray, not for the dead, but for the living God. Lord, we trust that those who have passed and know you already have experienced paradise, God. They already know what it means to be in your presence, Lord. But, Father, we also understand the pain that comes with losing somebody we love, the pain that comes with knowing we're not going to see them again. And, Father, I pray for that peace that surpasses all understanding to come onto the hearts of these people in the room tonight, God. Lord, I know that it hurts, God. And, Father, I thank you that your word says that we can have time to grieve, that it's okay to be sad in this moment, that it's okay to grieve the loss of a loved one, God. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us permission to cry, that you've given us permission to be sad. But, Lord, you've also said that it would be for a moment, not forever. So, Father, we pray for the peace that will come, God. We pray that the grieving will go through its process, but it wouldn't be our permanent Lord, that when that grieving time is over, Lord, we ask for that peace that surpasses all understanding to come into our hearts and help us to move on, Lord. Help us to move on until that day where we can see them face to face in heaven. Lord, I thank you. Because we don't mourn like the rest of the world mourns, God. Those who don't have the same hope that we have. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind them of that hope, Lord. As we love and honor you, Lord, bring that peace in their lives, Jesus, so that they would know it. In Jesus' name. I also feel like I want to pray now, if there's somebody at this altar or in this room, that there's just a lot of family stuff going on. It could be divorce. It could be, you know, issues with the sibling. There's just you know, abuse. There's family stuff that you don't really want to talk about, but that's what storm is going on in your life. And we want to pray for you tonight. So if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, my family's just not doing well right now. There's just some drama. There's some stuff. I don't need you to go into it. We just want to come alongside and pray for you. So would you just lift up your hand and just keep it up. And, again, one of our leaders, if you can help me out, students, if you want to come alongside them, guys with guys, girls with girls, and just keep your hand up until somebody comes by you. Leaders, students, just kind of make your way. Keep your hand up until someone comes by you. Heavenly Father, we pray over these families that are represented in this room tonight, God. Lord, we know this is our greatest love on this earth outside of you, God. It's the family that you've given us, Lord. These are the people that we hold closest to us, God. These are the ones that the enemy often wants to attack in order to get to us, God. And Lord, we ask, God, that you would protect our families, Lord. We ask that you would bring peace into our families, God. We ask that you would bring back that wayward brother and sister, Lord. We ask that you would bring back that marriage that seems to be on the break, oh God. We ask that the fighting would end, oh Lord Jesus. We ask that you would bring a calm to the storm in that situation, Lord. But even before you do all that, God, we ask that you would bring a calm to the storm in their heart, God, that they would find peace in you, Lord, that they would be a source for you to move in that family situation, God, that they would have intercession in that bedroom, Lord, when they hear the shouting, when they hear the screaming, that they not put headphones on and ignore it. But, Lord, I pray that you would trust them to fall on their knees and cry out for their family and cry out for their parents and trust you to move in a way that they can't, God. Lord, bring peace in their household, oh, Lord Jesus. Bring love back into their household, Lord Jesus. Lord, use these young people, God. Use these young men and women to be the source, God, that you use for your honor and for your glory, God. That they would be the evangelist of their home. That they would bring Jesus Christ into the walls of their house, God.
Lord, use their testimonies, God. Use the transformation of their lives to be a homing beacon to let the rest of their family know where they can find that same peace, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name, Lord. There's one more thing I, I felt the need to pray for tonight. Again, I mentioned my story about struggling with anxiety and having a couple of anxiety attacks. And so if you're in this room and you struggle with depression, with anxiety, you've been having some bouts and you felt like that storm has gotten out of control again, would you just lift up your hand? It doesn't matter if we've already prayed for you. Just lift up your hand and as a family, we want to come alongside you. Just Okay, we got a lady in the back. Again, ladies with ladies, guys with guys. There's a gentleman up here. Anybody else that says, that's me. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. You know, there's some thoughts that are going on in my head that I don't like. Maybe you've been cutting. Maybe you've been doing other things. Just whatever it is, we want to pray that God would bring peace to that storm. There's a young man right here. Come on, let's help out. Ladies, if you can help me out back here. Heavenly Father, we pray over these individuals right now. God, we know at times there's a, a hormonal issue. God, we know that at times there's a mental issue. God, but we also know that oftentimes there's a spiritual tone to this, God. And Lord, we ask that you would bring spiritual peace into their lives right now. Lord, your word says to love you with all our mind, all our soul, all our heart. Everything that makes us a human being, God. Our soul, our intelligence, our emotions. God, everything about us should be surrendered to you. So God, right here in this room, God, we surrender every part of our being, our physical, our emotional, our mental, our, our heart, God. Lord, we surrender it to you and we say, God, it is yours. Bring peace to this situation, God. Lord, I pray that you bring peace to our nervous system, God. That again, when we get into situations where we feel anxiety begin to well up, Lord, I pray that we would also experience your spirit, that your Holy Spirit would begin to weigh that down, that your Holy Spirit begin to eliminate that anxiety, Lord, that the peace that surpasses all understanding would be more effective than any medication, God, would be more effective than any therapy we could go through. God, we thank you for all those other tools. We thank you that we have them at our disposal. But Lord, we also have you. So God, I pray, do what you can do. Do what only you can do, God. Bring peace into their hearts, oh Lord, that they would not have those attacks. God, that cutting would be a thing of the past, that they would never harm what you were willing to die for, God. That they would never again turn to, to drugs and alcohol as a way to assuage the pain that's happening in their heart, because you are the one who brings peace, God. Lord, let your spirit be the one to bring hope into their heart, Jesus. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Now, come on, let's, let's end tonight in worship. Let's end tonight in victory. Let's end tonight believing that God will do what he says he can do. Amen? Come on, let's worship together. Let's begin to sing this song again together, all the voices. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that even in the midst of storms, we can find peace in you. And God, I pray that you would help us as we leave this place. Because we understand that even on the drive home, we might encounter a new storm. But Father, we also have the same, oh God. And Lord, we know that that who brought us to this can bring us through this. We know that the same God who saved us from so much can keep us in his love. And so, Father, we thank you for that peace, God.
And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live in it, help us to believe, help us to have faith, help us to not become afraid when we hear the crashing wind because we know that your voice can silence even the waves and the wind. Lord, I pray that your voice would be the loudest thing we hear in our heart. And Lord, even for those areas in our lives that are going to be maybe a longer process, God, Father, I pray that we wouldn't fear. I pray that we wouldn't doubt because the process is maybe longer than what we thought it would be because we know that you are still in that process, God. And you are the one who's going to lead us to the other side of the lake. So we thank you for your word, God. And we pray that your spirit would remain in us all the days of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone here said, amen. amen. God bless you. We love you. Remember, we have small groups tomorrow. If you still want to linger, if you still need some prayer, if you want to talk to somebody, the leaders are going to stick around, pull us aside, have a conversation. We want to be here for you. But if you got to go, you're more than welcome to leave. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.